and salutations, listener, and welcome to another edition of the Coco and Daltz podcast. I'm not Coco. And I'm not Daltz. And we're going to talk today in this special year-end wrap-up podcast about things that we forgot to review <laughs> or we just didn't get the time to do it. Because we've been really busy during a pandemic going out and doing lots of things right. instead of just staying home and watching Netflix like everybody else. Exactly. And maybe we were just like a little bit lazy or maybe Probably. in the case of one particular thing, we were like, yeah, we can't review that because it's just so terrible. <laughs> but we're going to review it anyways. We're going to so, review it in yeah. like a mini pocket review in this one here. So. So what do we want to talk about first, Coco? You tell me because you're the boss of this relationship. That is absolutely incorrect, listener. Don't listen to him at all. <laughs> so I know on your outline, you have Lovebirds, mm -hmm. which is a Netflix movie starring Issa Rae and Kumel Nanjiani. They play a couple who have been together for a while, but they're breaking up. And during the course of their breakup... They're involved in... <laughs> somehow. Yeah, somehow in a crazy murder. They spend all night on the lamb from the cops. It's a comedy because mm -hmm. it's clearly not rooted in any kind of reality. <laughs> but it's actually really funny. Yeah. It's kind of the antidote to 2020. There's a lot of laughs in it. So if you're looking for something over the holiday weekend to lift your spirits as we head into a new year, which will hopefully be better, mm -hmm. we recommend Lovebirds on Netflix. Absolutely. And I like this one because it's so hard to find good uh, comedies these days. And this is yeah. a romantic comedy. And it's not predictable. I mean, it's it's a bit trite in some ways because it's like, how fantastic is this situation? All of a sudden, they're embroiled in a murder and drug scheme is like right everyday couples you know typically don't get involved with this kind of stuff <laughs> we've been together like four and a half years and we've managed not to be involved in murderous drug schemes right. at all well there's a, there is a chance there's hope I mean, you know there's yeah. lots of time left yeah but yes it was very well written and uh i like the two leads in it they have yeah. really good chemistry they were great uh kumail uh nanjiani is fantastic i've actually uh started following him on twitter as a result oh, of wow. watching this movie and he's really funny on Twitter too so uh, I'm looking for more stuff with him in it um, I thought maybe that he might have been because he's a comedian he might have been involved with the writing but he wasn't actually so um, but still thumbs up for that one listener yeah. recommend if you didn't catch it when it came out uh, over the summer we recommend it now and there's not very many of these good ones out there so right. these rom-coms uh, they ain't common out there when they're funny and they're no. actually not predictable so uh, recommend. Um, what's the next one we want to talk about, Coco? Oh, am I doing all of them? Well, let's go to The Good Detective. Okay. Because it is a South Korean crime drama. It's a, a series, uh, many episodes. Um, <laughs> 16, and they are all an hour long, listeners, so be prepared. So here's what happened is that Coco got fed up with my shenanigans one night and started watching uh, the good detective on her own and uh, got into two or three episodes and then was watching it. And I was like, Oh, what are you watching? And she told me, and I was like, Oh, okay. I'll join in and see if I missed anything. And I actually didn't really miss much. It didn't take long for me to get right into the rhythm of this one. And it involves some corrupt uh, cops and it involves uh, shenanigans in uh, Incheon, uh, South Korea. So not uh, Seoul, which you think would 
be the place of this, but um, really good, really well done. Uh, what did you think of it, Coco? What did you like about it? Yeah, I loved it. The first couple episodes are pretty rough. Mm-hmm. Um, I said in my review on CocosBuzzBlog.com, <gasps> oh. chickadee, check it out if you haven't, that I wasn't sure after the first couple episodes if I would keep watching, but I was invested enough in the main storyline to continue. And I'm glad I did because even though it's 16 hour long episodes, <laughs> It is jam-packed. Yeah, there is good. a lot of action. There's good comedy. There's good poignant moments. Uh, it's a legal and crime thriller. So you get that aspect of it as well. So I, I really enjoyed it. And mm-hmm. I really hope that they do season two. And so it's a young upstart uh, detective joins the forces and is with an older veteran uh, detective who has been around for a while, obviously, and has seen some stuff and has sort of like on the, not exactly in the favored uh, house, sort of in the doghouse in this uh, detective uh, team. And then there's a bunch of other guys who are also detectives and they're great. They're all awesome. Yeah, they're all funny and they're very distinct personalities and they're not necessarily uh, stereotypes or, right. or you know, the expected role of the younger guy or whatever. Like there's, it's really good. And it was actually a pretty um, interesting uh, concept is that the younger guy who joins the young, the sort of the co-lead is a rich guy who uh, decides he wants to be a detective. So he doesn't really have to do it. And uh, it presents some interesting situations in that him and the older detective are going back and forth. And it's it's very well done. And the dialogue is really good. Obviously, it's in Korean with uh, subtitles if you're watching it in English. On Netflix. On, on Netflix. Netflix. Yeah, on Netflix. And uh, all these are actually on Netflix that we're talking about today. And I also liked it because um, neither one, none of the detectives is some kind of savant. Right. You know, like if you listen to our review of Border Town earlier in the year, the main detective, he's got his like memory palace and he's able to intuit things that regular cops can't. And these weren't savant cops. They were just cops doing copping and <laughs> going out and collecting the forensic evidence. And, yeah. you know, nobody was deducing anything that. There wasn't like a 30-minute monologue at the end of every episode where the cop told you how he figured out right. this completely impossible scenario, mm-hmm. you know, because he's so brilliant. So, And the the bad guy is a cousin to the young upstart cop, and he was a really good bad guy. Yeah. Like, it's hard to play a bad guy and not be like... Oh yeah, he's gonna do this, and he's gonna mm-hmm. he's gonna be misogynist, or he's gonna be racist, or he's gonna be something that's gonna make us want to hate him. But this guy was, you know, he was a little bit of all those things. But the way he played it, it mm-hmm. was really well done, and I was really impressed. And the fam- the familial uh, connection there was yeah. a very interesting dy- dynamic too. So, uh, a very original story and very well done. Yeah, we two thumbs up for sure. We loved it. Recommend. Yes. Uh, another cop story that we want to talk about. Which is? Rogue City, like Dalt said, also on Netflix. Mm -hmm. It was released, I believe, at the end of October, maybe at the end of September. It's this time in France, taking place in Marseille, once again, about crooked cops Mm -hmm. uh, and the drug trade in Marseille. Um, It was, yeah. What did you think, Dalt? Well, this one to me, so the good detective is, it's a cop drama, but it's not really... um, Gritty, gritty, or yeah. or or violent in a in a bloody way. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it does have its points of violence. Yeah. Um. But this one is very gritty. To me, it's almost like a. I don't want to 
I don't want people to laugh with my description, but it's almost like a modern day Miami Vice in some ways because the cops, oh, yeah. the cops all look like they're crooks, uh-huh. and the crooks are not necessarily distinguishable from the from the good guys and the bad guys. And uh, the writing was really well done. The scenery. So what I thought, and we, I mentioned this when Coco and I were watching it, is we. Um, there was a real contrast here and the scenery was so beautiful and this everything was sunny and glorious and yet they're doing all these nefarious nasty terrible things so there's a darkness and a light there it was very much like white lines yes. in that respect yes. if you listen to our review of white lines which was also on netflix mm-hmm. back in mayish or so mm-hmm. that took place in ibiza so very much the same kind of terrain and right. climate and yeah, yeah, like Dalt said, you've got the contrast between this beautiful, lush, tropical, no cares in the world scenery, and then this very seedy underbelly mm-hmm. of society. And the res- it's like a resort town, and there's all these bars and everything like that. And so if you're mm-hmm. if you're just a tourist, bellying up to the bar or whatever, you're not even going to notice this stuff. But it's right. it's so great the way they portrayed it. And what I liked about those two, uh, the the Good Detective in particular, but also this one, uh, Rogue City was when the guns come out, it's a shocking moment. Right. And this is like, this is definitely a stark contrast to any kind of North American mm-hmm. crime drama or cop drama, is that there was one scene where the guy was like, oh, I shouldn't have taken my gun out, but I felt I needed to. And then there was mm-hmm. an investigation about him bringing the gun out. And it was all really interesting the way that it was a glimpse into the non-gun culture of the other countries in the world. So I thought that was spectacular. Another recommend for sure. And the end of that one, I did not see coming, actually. Like you knew, like, so the cops in this, the, the main cops that the story focuses on, aren't, they don't start out corrupt but they end up corrupt mm-hmm. and it just kind of is like a big snowball thing mm-hmm. that just is out of, you know, beyond their control. And then at the very end, like you're actually rooting for them, mm-hmm. even though they end up doing illegal shady things, right. you're actually rooting for them. But then at the end, I I didn't see that coming and I was sad. Yeah. Like, the I, ending was shocking for yeah. sure. And also a, a glimpse into the, it doesn't have to be a Hollywood ending kind right. of thing, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Very, very stark contrast. Um, and the fourth movie that I want to talk about, and, and Coco is reluctant to talk <laughs> about this one, I know, because it involves one of her heroes, but um, we also watched Hard Kill, starring Bruce Willis as a dad trying to get his daughter back. He, Yeah, this is also on Netflix, as Dalt said. Mm-hmm. Bruce Willis is a tech CEO whose AI program has fallen into the wrong hands, and the wrong hands have also kidnapped his daughter while they're at it. So, And the bad guy for the wrong hands is played by a discount Bradley Cooper. I don't know the actor's name, but I don't <laughs> want to embarrass him because he's terrible in this. This movie, top to bottom, is terrible. I gave yeah. it a D- on Cocosbuzzblog.com. Yeah, and I can't remember what I gave it on CocoandAdults.com, but it was definitely not uh, a great movie. The acting is terrible. The uh, stunts are pretty transparent that it's not the actors doing <laughs> the actual stunts. And then there's also some scenes where, uh, so one of the bad, one of the good guys in this uh, mercenary band trying to get the daughter back gets shot in the chest <laughs> like very, right above the heart very close to his heart and yet and yet at the end of the movie walks away with merely a limp yeah. having not received any medical care in the interim right totally it's- and also the part where he uh somebody brings in another wounded soldier and finds a a, a first aid kit 
Meanwhile, the guy who was shot in the chest was sitting like right beside where the first aid kit was and yet (laughs) had not been given the first aid kit or didn't know it was there. There are many reasons why this movie is completely horrible. Yeah, Hard Kill is awful. And we watched uh, Die Hard on Christmas because that's our tradition. And it was nice to see Bruce Willis in something. He was so good in that. It was like a palate cleanser for me. One of the only good things you can say about Hard Kill is that it's only an hour and a half long. Right. And so when Dalton and I started watching it, like legit two minutes into the movie, the bad guy is delivering some horribly stilted, <laughs> cheesy dialogue. And I'm just dying laughing because it's so terrible. And Daltz is like, let's just turn it off. And I'm like, no, I need to see exactly how bad this is. It's only an hour and a half. Like, this is... A rainy Saturday. We got nothing else to do. Like, let's just ride this pony. And I'm glad we did because it was it was it was Yuck's City. It like totally it was, was a lot of laughs out of that. And just, just embarrassing. Unintentionally hilarious. Yes. Like Bruce Willis clearly just in this thing for a paycheck. Yeah, it's sad to see sort of the trajectory of Bruce Willis's career in recent years as he's taken a lot of these like He's only got one chance at redemption. <laughs> and here it is. He makes a deal with so-and-so. It's kind of like an episode <laughs> of The Mandalorian, as a matter of fact. Mm-hmm. Just do this one thing and I'll help you out. Only a, a whole lot worse than The Mandalorian. Oh, yeah. Like the quality as... of The Mandalorian is so much better than oh, yeah. Hard Kill. Yeah, absolutely. Just I'm just talking about the storyline. but I'm just biased, though. So. But Bruce Willis, uh, awful. And everybody else, awful in that movie. Well, the one guy Jesse, was pretty good. Jesse Metcalf plays uh, the lead mercenary mm-hmm. who's tasked with protecting Bruce Willis and trying to get the daughter back. I actually thought he did a pretty good job. Yeah, he wasn't bad. Yeah, I thought he was pretty believable. So when when your lone bright spot is Jesse Metcalf, (laughs) like the hot gardener from Desperate Housewives, maybe... Why don't we have a production deal with Netflix? Right. If the people who did Hard Hard Kill can have a production deal, why don't Dalt and I have a production deal with Netflix? Because we can definitely churn out better scripts than that. Well, and it was funny because it come, the movie comes up and we watch the credits because we're uh, cinephiles. So we watch the complete experience. And then the credits come up and it says, rate this movie. <laughs> and I was like, thumbs down on that one. <laughs> I don't have very many thumbs down, listener, on my uh, collection of Netflix, but that's one of them. So if you are also looking for something to do over the long weekend, love birds, good laughs, mm-hmm. hard kill, bad laughs. Right. You can like, so you can watch this if you yeah, want. just totally. know what you're getting into. Right. Yeah. It's not, it's, there's a huge body count in this movie well, and it's pretty bad. And, this, so. and it's, and the script is terrible because the story yeah. is like Bruce Willis has got some code that's going to like shut down bank accounts and everything financial and technical across the world. Like, it's just like, oh, I got seven digits that will shut the world down. It's like, oh, just punch it in this computer and nobody has money in the bank account anymore. It's like, really? That's a thing? Right. Yeah. I think that's what like Bernie might be fighting for, actually. Just like (laughs) wipe out everybody's debt and start a new. Start fresh. Yeah, Yeah, that's actually not too bad when you're like rooting for a terrorist to wipe out financial systems across the globe. And also the other... (laughs) We should move on, but there's so many great things about this movie to hate. Is it was this? Is it was the same three guys in the black suits with right. the hoods who were getting shot all the time? Right. So everybody, every time that they would come up with the guns and everything like that, the same three guys would get mowed down, and then yeah. they would go and <laughs> get the stuff cleaned, and then they'd come back, and it was like an endless series of soldiers for four, uh, of uh, of the government or whoever they were for yeah. hire kind of thing. It was just terrible. Anyway, so those are the four things that we forgot to review this year yeah. that we recommend mostly for your holiday weekend viewing pleasure if you are looking for something that isn't necessarily brand new but that you haven't 
Chickadee checked out yet. And they're newish. They're all mm-hmm. from this year. Yeah, exactly. And uh, in this day and age, people are not watching things immediately when they come out because there's just too much selection, right? So Right. There's a lot of content out there. There's a lot of content. We're in peak content right now. Yeah, totes. Um, so I think that's going to be it for this edition of the podcast. Thank you for sticking with us, listener. Like I said at the top, we are ending our third year of the podcast. Wow. 2021 will be our fourth year doing this. We thank you for sticking with us. We hope you continue to stick with us because we have good stuff ahead. And many happy returns, listener, and hopefully 2021 is the year we turn it all around. Amen, brother. (laughs) So happy new year and for another episode of the podcast, I'm not Coco. And I'm not dogs.